Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. It is very good to be back with you today. It's been two or three weeks uh, since the last time we checked in, so hope that you are doing well wherever you listen to this podcast. We are still in the midst of this sermon series that we call uh, Where the Wild Things Are as we continue during this season of Lent. So, Um, Listen along. We're going to be reading two passages today. First comes from Psalm 91, and then the second will just be one verse. This is from Matthew 4, verse 11. So first, hear this passage, Psalm 91. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, or the arrow that flies by day, or the pestilence that stalks in darkness, or the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you, for you will only look with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the Most High your dwelling place, No evil shall befall you, no scourge shall come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On your hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Those who love me I will deliver, I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me I will answer them, I will be with them in trouble, I will rescue them and honor them. With long life I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. And now the one verse, Matthew four eleven. Then the devil left Jesus, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is God's word for us. May we receive it, and may it form our hearts and lives. So I'm starting off the podcast again today by talking about another family vacation, and I've shown pictures whenever I preach this at my site, and for those who are new to the podcast or who are new to listening to me, I promise I do not lead or open every sermon with a story about a summer vacation or a trip, but it just so happens that um, there are connections here that have uh, popped up into mind. This particular trip I want to talk about was happened four summers ago, summer of 13, 2013. My brother was getting married in Estes Park, Colorado, and so as we went out for the wedding, we also decided to camp during our time there at the Rocky Mountain National Park, and we also did a day trip of sorts. We um, connected with an outfit in Estes Park called New Venture Cycling, and they you can rent a bicycle, and then they take you out on this uh, route so you can bike your way through the mountains, and we thought this would be a great way to experience uh, the wilderness and the outdoors when we were out there. So sure enough, we got there, and they put all the bikes into the van, and we got into the van and made our way to the starting point. Now, when we were there, and when we started off there, I was going through two pretty extreme emotions. On the one hand, this is the Rocky Mountains, and so you are bicycling through the midst of all of this just amazing, wondrous creation. But we're also on a county road, so there is a little bit of traffic. Not a lot, but a little bit of traffic. And my children, my son was eight, and my daughter was uh, 12, and so I was 
feeling a little bit anxious kind of watching them. And they could ride bikes, but still, county road, and we're riding single file. And again, this is Colorado, so this is not Illinois, so it's a little bit hilly. So I was a little nervous. So both of these emotions, like, this is amazing. And also, oh my gosh, I hope they're going to be okay. What helped throughout this whole process was the guides that we had, the college students who worked for New Venture Cycling. One of them biked with us to lead us and show us the way so that we knew where we were going. And then there was another one who was in the van. And the guy in the van would drive ahead to certain points where we would stop and rest and drink water and at the very near the very end, the highlight really of the trip was after we had biked, I can't remember how many miles it was, but we had biked for a while. And again, it was just a beautiful day. The sun was shining, blue, blue sky. And we were coming to near the end of our ride. And the guy, the guide who was driving the van had gone ahead to this little, um, it's kind of like a roadside park of sorts, but we biked off to the side and they had set up on this little picnic table just this wonderful spread of food and drink with different fruits and nuts and cheeses and cookies. And it was great. And then we went through this little stream that was going by and it was just one of the best feelings I'd ever had. And it totally put aside those anxieties and fears that I had about being behind my children and just hoping that we're going to make through alive. So I thought about this whole thing as I was thinking about the wilderness and as I was thinking, it is really good. It is really good to have support like that when you're in the wilderness. So as I noted earlier, we're finishing up this sermon series called Where the Wild Things Are. We've been focusing on the story of Jesus and the temptation. And we've looked at various things about how do we survive in the wilderness for our own wilderness. And we've been thinking about perhaps the wilderness that our country is in right now. So we've talked about how does scripture support us through the midst of that? What does it mean to face our demons? We've talked about Jesus being famished and hungry. But today I want to really take a closer look at what kind of support did Jesus receive when he was out in the wilderness or the desert? And then do we receive the same kind of support that he did? Well, perhaps from this one verse, we can see that Jesus does receive this support. Matthew 4.11, it tells us that the angels came after Jesus had gone through the temptations, had gone through the um, going without food and fasting. And this is the only time, actually, this temptation story, Matthew is the only one who mentions that angels come to wait on him. Jesus was not alone. And it also harkens back to the other passage that I read today from Psalm 91, there's a connection here between the two passages, because earlier in the temptation story, you may remember, Jesus and the devil, or the tempter, are going at it. The devil is tempting Jesus with various things, and you may remember at first, Jesus uses scripture to support himself, saying that one does not live by bread alone, and then you may remember that the devil can also try to play that game, and he quotes some scripture back at Jesus. Specifically, the devil says this in verse 6 in Matthew 4. He will command his angels concerning you. And then he talks, he says, on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And if those sound familiar, it's because the devil was quoting Psalm 91, which we read today. So what we also see here, too, is that the devil was kind of taking things out of context, as people are wont to do, twisting the meaning. But... 
even though the devil does this, I still think that the psalm may have provided great meaning to Jesus. So let's take a closer look at what this psalm says and how it may have supported Jesus and how it can still also support us today. The Psalms are those poems and songs that are near the middle of the Bible, often used in worship, and many of you probably have used one Psalm at one time. Psalm 23, of course, is a very popular one for learning, for encouragement, and at times the Psalms are used to teach others about who God is and how God works in the world. This Psalm today Uh, as a biblical scholar Walter Brueggemann points out, is testimony, not necessarily teaching. So this is somebody who has experienced God's faithfulness and God's presence and wants to share this with others and share that his own experience would be the experience of others too. And I think this is the overarching theme of this particular psalm, that God is faithful. No matter what, even in the midst of all kinds of things that we go through, the psalmist wants it made known that God is faithful. It's a simple thing to remember sometimes, but it is also easy to forget that God is faithful. You know, I bought a, three weeks ago, I bought a new laptop, a MacBook Pro. That's what I'm actually recording this podcast on right now. I bought this new laptop, and any time, of course, you go these days and buy a piece of electronic equipment, somebody there will try to uh, sell you some sort of extended warranty. Uh, They will say, this is a great product that you purchased, but just in case, just in case that you want to make sure that you are really covered for a certain amount of money, they will extend extend that warranty, and maybe uh, it will also cover more things than what the manufacturer's warranty will cover too. So when we read, though, in the Psalm 91, the psalmist is kind of saying you don't necessarily need to buy an extended warranty, that the coverage that God gives is pretty remarkable as it is. If we notice here in some of the things, as we look back at Psalm 91, First of all, it states that we can trust God in every single circumstance in our lives. And the psalm hints at this, both by saying whether we are uh, in place, whether we are um, seated or staying somewhere. Notice in verse 1 and 2, it talks about how we live in the shelter, but also when we're on the journey, as we are moving. And verses 3 through 6 and 11, 13 point to this too, that God is with us both when we are stationary and when we are on the move. And not only that... But it points out that every single danger and difficulty is covered. Again, check out this coverage that we have from God. Here are all the different things that the psalmist says that surprise attack, verse 3a, disease, verses 3 and 6. He touches on demonic powers, violence at war, wicked enemies, wild animals. All of these things are mentioned in the midst of these verses. And the psalmist lists, ticks off all of these certain things saying, you're covered. You're covered. The psalmist is saying that no matter what, no matter where you are, at no matter what time, God is faithful. God will be with us. Now, what can sometimes happen, and this is what the devil did in trying to lure Jesus away, is using this scripture as like a spell that you might say at Hogwarts, that if I just 
believe certain things or if I carry the Bible around with me or if I have this psalm memorized, then things won't happen to me. But uh, Jay Clinton McCann, who's a professor at Eden Theological Seminary, says this, that we should not use Psalm 91 as a magical guarantee against danger, threat, or difficulty. Rather, the meaning beneath this psalm is that it's a reminder that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. That's what Romans 8.39 says, that nothing will be able to separate us from God. That the psalmist is not saying that bad things won't happen to us or that we'll have kind of some magical protection or that you can do a little bit extra to get that extended warranty, therefore that you will be prevented from going through all of these things. Instead, the psalmist, and I think the theme of what the psalmist is saying, that in the midst of everything, God is faithful, that God will be with us. And not only that, but that power that we have from God actually may compel us to go into situations that will challenge us and make us uncomfortable and stretch us. This is what happens when uh, when Jesus in his own ministry and the Apostle Paul in his own ministry, one of my favorite biblical verses is Isaiah 43, 2. Let me read this. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not, be, shall not consume you. Did you notice something about this verse? It does not say, if you pass through the waters. It does not say, um, If you walk through the fire, it says when. When you pass through the waters, when you walk through fire, you will not be overwhelmed. And you will not ultimately be burned. Because I will be with you. This, I think, is a power that is above anything that we can comprehend we see it in this passage from Isaiah. We also see it through it in, see it in verse 15 when God says, I will be with them in trouble. The power of with. Sometimes in church we say, can I get a witness here today? And I want to say to you, can we also get with this? And indeed, we can get witness. This is God's promise to us that for all of these things that we go through, that God will be with us, that we will never be abandoned by God. And again, this is a core truth. This is a core truth. I think of who we are in the faith, but at times we forget it because we are in our own wilderness. We are in our own wanderings. And we may question God's presence. We may question whether God is still present in in our world but we have to hold fast to the promises of, of the scriptures and the promises of others that we know in our own lives. And we see this withness happening in so many different ways. Last summer, we did at Urban Village a, a, a program called One Book, One Church, where we, along with other churches around the country, read a book uh, together called Rescuing Jesus by Deborah Jian Lee. And uh, it took a look at lots of different things uh, about how uh, evangelicals were in the faith were beginning to look at um, issues like race and women in leadership and LGBTQ issues. And they were thinking about their own faith and how these things correlated. One of the main characters that uh, Deborah 
focuses on is a woman, another author named Lisa Sharon Harper. And Lisa Sharon Harper works for Sojourners, the organization and the magazine based out in Washington, D.C. And she also just wrote a book called The Very Good Gospel. And in the book, Rescuing Jesus, Deborah tells this story or writes about this story as Lisa tells it. The story happened about a week after uh, Michael Brown was killed in Ferguson, Missouri. And of course, there were lots of marches, protests at what people felt like this is yet another example of a young black man being shot needlessly by a police officer. And so in the midst of these marches, and Lisa was there, and she talked and described that one night she was out and about, and it was a hot August evening, and she was walking along with two other middle-aged faith leaders, and she said that we were just getting tired, our knees were giving out, and our ankles were swollen, and they saw that there was a parking lot that was a rest area, so they went over there to sit down. But Lisa also noticed that there was a growing circle of young, mostly black protesters collecting nearby. And one of them called out to Lisa and her two friends saying, could you come pray with us? And so they walked over to do so. And in the midst of this circle, Lisa said she had this feeling, this sense from God that she was being called to, that she and these two other individuals were called to bless these young people who were out there wanting to be seen and known, wanting their voices to be heard. And she felt led to do this. And so she asked if it would be okay if we said a blessing for each of the individuals. And they all said yes. And so Lisa said that the first person she prayed for was a tall 19-year-old with a guarded look on his face. Now I'm reading from the book. Lisa took his hands and the two bowed their heads. And then Lisa said, the sense that I got when I was praying for him was he doesn't know, he doesn't see who he is. He doesn't see God's dream for his life yet. My personal sense was that he had been flooded with other people's perceptions of him. The angry black man, the dangerous black man, the thug, the gangster, all these different perceptions of black men. I prayed that God would show him who he really was. And Lisa said when she got done with the prayer, she looked at him and she felt some disappointment because the look on his face she sensed was that he was glad it was over, that this woman with this blessing. But then, but then he lifted his head and looked at Lisa with teary eyes and he asked her, can I hug you? And he wrapped his arms and he would not let go and he began to weep, his body shaking against her tight embrace. And Lisa said to him, it's okay. God sees you. It's okay. God sees you. I have to believe in reading this story that this young man was like Jesus, tempted in so many different ways, being told untruths like the devil was telling Jesus, and he was exhausted. And just when he was near the end of his rope, as we read in Matthew, that the angels came to wait on Jesus. And Lisa was an angel in this young man's life at that moment to simply say, it's okay, and to give him a hug and to say, I see you. God sees you. And those words are still so powerful today when we wander in our own wilderness, wondering will we ever amount to anything, and we read the news every day, and we think, how can this go on, and how can I continue to live my life? And we wonder, Lord, are you here with me in the wilderness? And the promise of Psalm 91 and the promise of the story of the temptation is yes. 
God says, I will be with you. Verse 15. I will be with you. May that be a promise that we hold on to. May that be a promise that we receive into our hearts and minds and souls and bodies so that in the midst of our own wilderness, when we feel tempted and struggle, we can draw on those words knowing that in somehow, some way, God or angels or some power will be with us to remind us that we are seen and that we are loved. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening once again to my podcast. And uh, I will be back next week. So uh, Palm Sunday is next Sunday. So tune in for that and download and share this with others. As always, you can always reach out to me at chris at urbanvillagechurch.org or on Twitter. I'm at Christian Kuhn. And I'm always happy to connect with folks in lots of different ways. So until then... May the peace and power of Christ, which is always with us, remain with you today and always. Peace.